You're listening to Experience This, a show about the emerging experience economy with your host, Tom Young. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Tom Young sitting here with Kieran Bajwa. Hi, hey, Kieran. Tom. How's it going? All right. Hey, so um, we've been talking a lot about the uh, experience economy and focusing on experience, and I feel like we need to step back and clear you know, what we mean by that and, and use the term the way we were using it so it's, it's clear to everybody. Because when we went to NRF, everyone's using the term. And the way we use it, we mean something slightly different. Yeah. You agree? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and this is also in our logo, but experience this. We have the balance of time versus money. And I think at some level, that's how we think about experience, which is the notion that we're going to um, optimize our time, but more so than we want to optimize our bank account. Yeah. It, yeah. You've heard me use the term, you're gonna, there comes a point in time in your life where you will say, I'm going to run out of time before I run out of money. And it's really understanding that algebra that focuses you on the experience economy. Yeah. And I think we should explore a little bit about what is happening to today with people feeling anxious, depressed, chasing time? Yeah. So, uh, so part of the, you know, we listened to this um, Awakenings video from Alan Watts, and you can see lots of versions of it on YouTube. But it's very interesting to listen to what he said about the isolation that digital technologies bring and therein lies it's sort of the disruption and what we're trying to do is say how do we turn these technologies that create isolation social isolation that leads to depression anxiety all the things you just mentioned how do we turn them into making it a positive experience where i'm using these same tools that but in a positive way yeah and i also think today Time, maybe, is, do you also think it's an age thing? So when you're 19, 20, 21, time feels like it's on your side. It is. And it's, yeah, <laughs> For the it avoidance is. of doubt, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then as you get older, the scarcity of time and the importance of time, I, there must be a turning point. Maybe it's late 30s, mid 40s, I don't know, but at some point the paradigm shifts a little bit, right? And that balance on on the icon of uh, the seesaw of time and scale starts to, to tip slightly. Yeah, I would say when, when you're young, uh, you know, in their teens and early 20s, time is on your side and yeah. you're typically long in time and short on money. Um, when you get older, um, let's just pick the term, you get to 50, uh, there's a realization at that midlife you know, major milestone that time is not on your side and you're probably gonna run out of time before you run out of money. And so you have to think about how you spend your time differently. Like we were running a calculation that said, I only have a thousand Saturdays yeah. when you hit age 50 before yeah. you get quote old where you know you don't really care if it's Saturday or not. But anyway, a thousand Saturdays, you gotta think about how you spend your time. So why don't we clear this? We got three graphics here. It's a young, adult, and old. So young has time, 
a lot of time, no money, and lots of energy. An adult has little time, lots of money, and a lot of energy. An old has lots of time, lots of money, and no energy. So that that's true. And, and I, we start to see each stage you have a deficiency in one thing. It's either time, money, or energy. I hadn't thought about the energy quotient. But that's yeah. an important thing to include in a paradigm of, you know, why you wouldn't want to stick a big focus on a big pile of money because by the time you get the time to enjoy it, you don't have the energy to enjoy it. Yeah. But I think it shifts a lot of uh, fundamental things in the way that we, for example, this whole marketing around saving for your 401k and saving for retirement, these future-based events. So it's work, 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 pile up your cash, and then someday the this magical door is going to open and you'll be able to retire and be on the golf course all day. So, and, and that is the big lie. Yeah. And so yesterday we were hanging out and I showed you that uh, Alan Watts uh, yes. thing that the South Park guys did. Mm-hmm. Right, and you can again if you type in Alan Watts South Park, you can go see. They basically took the South Park cartoon style and grabbed a few of Alan Watts's uh, lectures. And anyway, he talked about life being metaphorically represented as a journey with a start and a finish, with a goal to get to the end. And he, and basically, that's the big lie. Where he says the real truth is, life is a song, and you're supposed to sing and dance while it's playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Which, which makes sense if you, you know, that's because that's when you have the energy and it's really, you should step back and do that. So Tim Ferriss wrote a book. Yes. The 4-Hour Work, work Week. week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when was that book? It may have to be about 10 years ago now. Yeah. About probably. 10 years. Right. Uh, maybe not so long. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was probably more than 10 years ago. Um, Sean, why don't you look that up and just see, because I think I'm curious when that was. I think I read it in around 2005, if I remember right. But in that, Ferris really challenged the notion of retirement. He said, work, 2007, so it's 12 years ago. Um, very good book. I encourage people to go read it. It's, it's relevant today as it was in 2007 when he wrote it. But he was focused on making money, doing a lot of things, and he had a sports supplement company yeah. and was working a lot of hours, making probably making some good money, but he was miserable. He didn't, he didn't enjoy what was going on, and he basically just checked out and – with fully prepared to start over and end up his business started doing well because he empowered others to run it. And he talked about how he got his work week down the f- four hours. I don't think he literally did that. I think it's more of an icon, but he yeah. focused on his time on living and retiring in place and then going back to work and going in cycles rather than just one long work cycle. And then hopefully you can live long enough to enjoy the fruits of that. Well, I think he was also one of the early guys who was tapping into the gig economy. And back to the notion of how can we leverage technology to help us. Today, you know, you can outsource the stuff like putting together your IKEA desk, house cleaning, order stuff on Amazon Prime now in New York where it can be delivered to you within two hours. Instacart, which can deliver your groceries to you from any supermarket in New York within two hours. All of these time-saving ventures. So if he, you- he, he, I, didn't, I didn't think of that, but that's true, he did. Yeah, he started outsourcing. Uh, you know, he's, he kind of uh, had a personal assistant 
offshore. He had dozens of them. Yeah, even better. Well, and in fact, that was one of the things he said in his book is to take a number like $500 or a couple hundred dollars and go hire an assistant. Yeah, and he did say this. To learn how to do it. Yeah, and he said you have to, the upfront work in ramping, the investment in ramping that person up, that's there. So you've Mm -hmm. got to put in that investment. But once they're up and running, you know, he was just smooth sailing after that. Right. So he wrote some wild stuff in the book, like, he went to, it was almost like he, I think he fashioned himself a bit as a life hacker. Yeah. And he went to Argentina and hung out with some gal and learned ballroom dancing and actually competed for the Argentina tango competition and got into the finals. And that's how he was using his time. He was hiring people to teach him Spanish and you know uh, that's how he used his time, and he 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 took the money he was making to, and he paid other people to do stuff for him, and it, it was really what, what I'll call micro sourcing. And mm-hmm. he said it's it's not easy to do, but when you do figure it out, it's it's it can save you a lot of time. And what we talk about with the experience economy is what do you do with that time? Yeah, and how do you think, think about? It? Do you value it? Yeah, and I think the idea of, so if you start to free up some of those pockets of time, are you using them for enriching experiences or are you burning away watching Netflix for three hours? If I put a dollar next to an hour, a dollar amount, let's just say an hour of your, if you had free time, say you're somebody who works all the time and you have two hours on a Saturday. What's that two hours worth to you monetarily? I mean, is it worth $100? Let's just use $100 as a metaphor. So it's $100 for those two hours. And you say, well, because, and the reason is because the, the two hours are sparse. It's, I got to work all the time. I got to sleep. I got kids. I got, you know, I got dinner. I got chores and stuff like that. So those two hours are, I'm going to say it's a use $100. The issue really becomes where else in your life can you create two hour pockets? by paying somebody else that same $100 to free up that time. And if, if your time's not worth $100, then then fill it with the mundane things like going to the store and buying stuff or mowing the lawn yeah. or doing the things, if but, that's what you want to do. But the beauty of it is it doesn't even cost $200 anymore. Going to the grocery store, if, if we're putting $200 on- No, in, on, in time. Yeah, in time. It does. Okay. If but, I have to go to the grocery store, it's a minimum of one hour. I have to get in my car. I have to drive there. Yeah, yes, yeah, so that's I true. I have to park. Mm-hmm. I have to navigate the store, check out, get it in the car, bring it home, put it away. Minimum one hour. More likely more. Let's just call it two hours if I have a, a decent grocery list. So the cost of the groceries is not even part of the $100. I just burned $100 worth of time. But all I'm saying is in that exact scenario, you can now save time and spend $7.98 to Instacart and save yourself those two hours. Right. So people will say, what's more expensive? And and my argument is you're not including the cost of your time. time. Yes. And so that this gets to go back to the icon of this podcast when you look at the artwork. It is a balance that shows time and money 
in opposition. And if you start to think about the decisions you make economically about the way you spend money and the way you spend time is, you know, at some level you pay for convenience and putting time and putting a dollar amount next to time allows you to do the algebra. So I think in cities, the way that, that you kind of see that quite a bit is people's choice in where they live. So a lot of people might now, once they have money to do it, they might say, I actually would pay an extra $500 a month in rent to be within walking distance of where I need to work versus saving money, living out in Queens and taking a 30-minute subway ride each way into the city. Yeah. Yeah, so so quite interesting. And I also wonder if you had to... If you had to ask people, would you take a pay cut to have more time in your life? Or would you say, I'll work the extra hours because I want to bank cash and make more money? That probably depends on where you are in life, maybe. Maybe when you're 20, you're thinking, screw it, I'm going to... I think you're right on. I, I, don't think, I don't think you should pre- presuppose an answer. I think the issue is asking the question in the first place. Yeah. So the the presumption that, there's almost a built-in presumption that if you can have the opportunity to make money, you should go do it. Oh, let's go do this. We're gonna, we're gonna make $200 or we're gonna make $500 or $1,000. You know, and to me, at what cost? Yeah, exactly, at what cost? Right, I don't, I don't wanna go do that. Like I, I've been offered, in our consulting business, I've been offered significant amount of money to go do certain projects and I turned them down and they were, at some level they were a little stunned, like why would you turn this down? I'm like, I, I just don't wanna do, I don't wanna do what you're asking me to do. And the money is not compensation for overcoming that. And, if they gave me a lot more money, I would have probably have done it. Yeah. But it was, it was good money, it just wasn't enough for me to overcome that when I had other alternatives to make similar money and do things I like. And a lot of times it's not even just the, the, there's the t- there's the hours that you spend at that at work, but it's it's the the con- the thoughts that are consumed thinking about work or thinking about what you have to do. That's the biggest thing. So that could be nine, ten, eleven, twelve p.m. into midnight. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so that you have to add up those hours as well into the whole equation. Right. So. Another phenomenon that's interesting or just an observation, when people start out working, um, they get a certain amount of vacation time, but they don't have the necessarily the money to, to go do cool things. And when they get the money to go do it, they have the vacation time, but they don't have the, they, they, the ability to use it well. Right, so like when I, when I was in uh, mid-career uh, in corporate life, I had five, six weeks of vacation. I, I, I was never able to use it because you just couldn't get away from work. You're caught up in a rat rat race. And I just see the folly of that in hindsight. I look back on that like, why didn't I go to Portugal <laughs> and, and go to that? Sean just, I'm just, yeah. Sean's laughing because he just went to Portugal, had a great time. But I never did that. And uh, now I look back on that and I regret that. And so a, a part of these podcasts is we really want to get people to think about why aren't they going to Portugal? 
<laughs> why not there? <laughs> Go to, and it's not just Portugal. It's why not a lot of things, right? Yeah. And, and introduce, put a value on your time. What's your time worth? And if you're 50 years old, you have a thousand Saturdays before you're too old to have the energy to do a lot of things. And if only where you live, only 15% of those thousand Saturdays, you're going to have nice weather. You only have 150 nice Saturdays. And so a nice Saturday, you don't want to um, let it go by without you thinking, hey, this is, a, this is awesome. I'm going to go do something and pushing it off. Because another paradigm is people will say, oh, we'll do it next time. Yeah, we have. And there is no next time. There's only now. Tomorrow. <laughs> no, there's only now. There's another time, but it's not this time. This time is either you either do it or you don't. Well, so. we we talk about that. It's a lot of it's it's a big notion of people ping ponging between what I should have done and what I should do. Yeah. So at the end, so the uh, re, the regret. There's two forms of regret: regret of doing something yes. that you shouldn't have done, and the regret of not doing something you should have done. <laughs> the worst is what and, you should have done. And. Uh, they both are real. Yes. One's worse than the other. Which one do you think is worst for you? I should have taken a chance and done that. So it's the regret of omission. Yes. Yeah. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. That's haunting. Yeah. Because that never go, it never goes away. You get over like, you know, I was drunk. I did something. I was young. I shouldn't have done that. I had no idea that was illegal. Um, you get over that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't get over not doing something. Well, because it's almost, uh, I mean, you don't know, had you given a shot, what your potential could have been. Yeah. So That's... we see that with people, whether it be writing a book, going to Portugal, um, you know, joining the circus, <laughs> whatever it might be, things that you could have, could have done. Um, I would encourage people not to have those errors of omission, which is a haunting regret. I think we need to spend a Saturday in a nursing home and, and talk to some of our fellow friends. Yeah, Jordan, our sound engineer, mentioned that we should. That's a good um, uh, way to cure your of any uh, concerns you think that you want to be conservative about life and talk to the people at the nursing homes about the regrets that they have. Very few of them, as they age, regret for the um, misadventures that they might have done. Mm -hmm. uh, those are part of life versus the things that they never did that they should have done. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, you want to be, you want to be thoughtful. You know, for me, I look at the way I, the way I act. If I have free time, I'm very spontaneous and that opens up a whole bunch of possibilities, but it also blocks as much as it opens up. And what do I mean by that? In order to do some some of the fun stuff, it requires a lot of social coordination. Yeah. Right? If I'm gonna be spontaneous, you can only do it with a small group of people. Maybe one other person, maybe a couple of, it's hard to be spontaneous with a larger group. Right. You have to plan because everybody's got their time, stuff like that. So like what was it last year? Mm -hmm. It must have been, was it last year, I think. Yeah, last summer. Last was it twenty seventeen? No, it was twenty seventeen. Oh crap. Has See, time's going by. We're missing these. I know. But we, when I came into the conference room, everyone looked frazzled. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let's go to the eclipse. 
And I was like on a Wednesday and we left that weekend and just drove to the eclipse and we went down to Tennessee. It's like 16 hours, one way. Yeah, it was crazy. But I'm saying that was a fun, spontaneous yes. trip. Um, but th those are hard to come by. In fact, the last one we did was 18 months ago, apparently. But, uh, and then we took the group last summer to, we went to Bermuda, Bermuda yeah. that was planned. Mm -hmm. We took everybody and we went on a cruise to Bermuda. That was a lot of fun. Yep. Right? You agree? Yeah. Do, oh. Tremendous amount of fun. Great fun. So but do, we need to figure out how to do more of those things. Yeah. You know? But so it goes to show both of them, the outcome, we still had fun on yeah. both of them, right? But it, it's the, the, the dance and the journey along the way, I would say, for taking the road trip down to Tennessee was a lot more enjoyable than for the cruise we planned it, right? So there was no uh, there's no off the beaten path journey part of it. Yeah. So when we think about, again, get to a point of wrapping this session up, you know, we talk again about when we say the word experience, we, we, we mean it in a way of optimizing your time yeah. as part of your happiness quotient, as opposed to letting money dominate your decisions around how you spend your time. So that could be, I gotta go to work, I gotta make money, and you have to do some of that. Mm -hmm. But it also could be, I'm gonna go do this, I'm gonna go save a nickel, a dollar, $50 on a purchase of something, and I'm gonna go spend a lot of time pursuing that. Or I have to go do this chore, I have to get this done, versus I could pay somebody to do it for me. And again, in the business world, we'll use, I use the example of a $1,000 helicopter ride. Um, you say, I can't be at this meeting and, and that meeting. And you could if you took a helicopter to get from one to the other and beat the traffic. And it costs $1,000. And people say, well, that's I can't do that. Well, what if the meeting's worth much more than that? You're choosing not to do that because you're not thinking about spending money to optimize your time and the use of it. So using your time to go to this maybe important business meeting is worth $1,000. Mm -hmm. I mean, you wouldn't think twice about spending $1,000 on a plane ticket for a planned event somewhere that may not be as valuable. So again, we want to just challenge people to incorporate time in their value equations in terms of how they uh, design their life, the decisions they make about where they spend their time, yep. and uh, not just let money be the sole driver. Yep, take the power back. There you, there you <laughs> go. And we're going to talk more about different experiences, and then the tools around us that we can use to help us make better decisions mm, uh, and, and break our break the mold of our, our classical thinking that says that life is a journey, not a dance. Yes. Great. Absolutely. Any parting thoughts? No, oh, that's, that's it. it. Have a right, good we'll weekend. Talk, talk Great, to you soon. Right, bye. bye. Hey, this is Karen Bajwa. Thanks for checking out the show today. If you like what you heard, head on over to our website, rumjog.com. If you happen to be in the New York or New Jersey area, come check out our meetup called Digital Disruption. We cover topics like you heard today with a live audience. Lastly, don't forget to follow us on social media using the handle at Rumjog. Talk to you soon.